Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in listeners to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast and thank you for always tuning in where we're always talking everything college hoops. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio for powering us up. Thanks to Bell Jar for getting us in and out with your intro music. Thanks for tuning in and carving out some time. Could have been anywhere else on the dial. He chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus, and we appreciate that. Uh so we just wanted to give you your college basketball fix for the week, folks. And we thought that now might be a good time. It might be appropriate to talk players and positions returning of impact. We had a few lists that were released, J- Jason McIntyre being one of them. We'll reference that a little bit later on in the pod. Top 50 players, and uh, CBS will do their top 100 players. A couple other places will do their top players. So what we'll do is we'll do our top players here podcast style like we do. This is how we release our information, right, everybody? So instead of putting it on a list for you to read, we're going to put it in a list in your ears to consume and listen to. We hope that you uh, commute or on a train ride or maybe on a walk around the neighborhood Something of those sorts, and we're helping you out in that fashion. First position we're going to roll with, with the 2018 returning players for the college basketball season. Let's just start with lead guards, right? Maybe point guards, maybe heavy ball handling guards might be your top score, but just lead guards. The reason we're going to put lead guards here is because of their maybe height restrictions, and also they're they're not the uh, traditional six four six five that the NBA really craves. The cool thing about the college game, the college game still allows for the traditional big, whether it be a big lumbering big with some nice paint touches that can get an easy two, and the uber quick, efficient, quick point guard. We got spoiled last year with a couple of these. There's still a space in our sport for players like that where on the NBA level, those types of talent and skill sets aren't exactly what's defining what is modern basketball right now. So the undersized lead guard and and the big, slow, prodding, but efficient in the paint, uh, think uh, Bill Cartwright Back in the day when he played for the Knicks and the Bulls, that type of big still has a spot in the college game, which makes the college game a little unique and definitely different from the NBA game. And again, like we got spoiled last year with these lead guards. We had Trey Young and all of his shot diversity, uh, his 35-foot bombs, his, his clever creativeness at the rim. We had the player of the year, Jalen Brunson, that led his team to a national championship who was unbelievably efficient, and they ran their offense inside out with Jalen going into the post and the bigs outside shooting. Keenan Evans from Texas Tech, one of Mike's favorites from last year. Tough as nails, played through injury on our private pod. For Patreon listeners, we put out who might be the Keenan Evans of this upcoming year, of the player that might force their way through injury and come back. Uh, we had Jalen Adams from St. Bonnie's, who made a run into the tournament and then got that game, that backcourt of he and Mobley were absolutely dynamic. Uh, Chris Chioza from Florida, you know, we'll go back two years from the Magic. He pulled an MSG for Florida with that runner against uh, Wisconsin. Javon Carter, West Virginia. I mean, who wasn't a favorite, who wasn't a fan of watching him and his defensive prowess and just his effort? Landry Shamit, Shake Milton, uh, two AAC guards uh, who we really like paying attention to, could shoot from deep, had some length. 
They were more of your NBA type uh, length uh, point guard, backcourt lead guard player. And then, of course, we had Devontae Graham and Colin Sexton, and all they did was just light up their conferences and light up uh, college basketball all last year. Devontae Graham to the tune of a Final Four for Kansas, and Colin Sexton to the tune of a lottery pick uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So again, we were spoiled at the lead guard position from top to bottom, from Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, all the way down to Devontae Graham and Colin Sexton. And so what we thought we'd do is just run, who's going to be the, the lead guards we want to pay attention to? We're going to go dot, we're going to dive deep, we're going to go big schools, we're going to go small schools, we're going to go in between, and we're going to give you, we're going to end with some March. Guys that Mike and I really like and are rooting for, and we hope that we see them in March, whether it be for a repeat performance or maybe for a first time. So... Why don't we just start off with one of the darlings? Why don't we start with Clayton Custer, Loyal Chicago, the Valley Player of the Year. Uh, he averaged 13 points, four assists, led his team to a Final Four, surprise Final Four out of that top bracket after a little, hay, you know, a little haywire ensued with uh, Westford uh, UVA losing, Vada, you know, doing their magic down low. So Clayton Custer, I think, is interesting to pay attention to because I, 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 when I think of him, I automatically think about, and don't you think, and Tosh from Northwestern, and don't you think, like, aren't you worried that maybe they might fall fate to the fellow Chicago darling that Northwestern was last year? Weren't they like the best story they gave Gonzaga a run? Uh, you know, they made the tournament. Julie Louis Dreyfus is on the sideline. Everybody brought out their purple for uh, Northwestern. Are you worried that maybe Loyola Chicago and all the Gryffindor scarfs might like be go back into the mothballs if Clayton Custer and Loyola Chicago don't perform like they did last year and get an uh, invite back to March? Could they run into a similar fate than uh, than la- to last year's March, darling? Maybe they could. I don't know. Are they going to be ordinary, kind of like Northwestern was this year? I mean, we'll wait and see. We hope that Clayton Custer takes his game up, maybe 15 points per game, about four assists per game. You'd hope that happens. So he's one of the guys that we want to pay attention to. And much like we started our, you know, the original Screen the Screener College Basketball podcast with Connor Frankamp, we're going to start the lead guard, uh, who's returning in 2018 podcast. Clayton Custer, Loyal Chicago. I think that's appropriate. One of the other guys that Mike and I are really high on, Tremont Waters, LSU. Aren't you just kind of rooting and hoping for Tremont Waters to make it to March so he can have that moment, so he can get that exposure, so people can celebrate him for what he is and what he is and what he might be this year, which is an All-America type player. Both Waters and Custer are going to have opportunity during the year. Custer's going to have an opportunity November uh, 27th in the uh, Mountain West and the Missouri Valley clash, they're going to get to play Nevada, which I think is going to be very important for both schools. And for Custer, you know, on the whole, because he's going to be playing longer athletes at Nevada, of course, maybe uh, ones that might give him a little trouble on defensive end. So we want to see how he operates. That would be an NBA-ish look for those scouts. And, you know, Waters is going to have a ton of opportunities in the SEC. He's He's going to run up against Kentucky, Quade Green. He's going to run up against Florida and their new freshman. We'll talk about later on this week with uh, hopefully with Eric Fawcett. They're going to run into Tennessee, Bone there, Auburn and their backcourt, Harper and Vandy, and and their freshman point guard Darius Garland, who is highly highly regarded and highly touted. So Waters is going to have opportunities in conference to prove how just how good he is. And I always like referencing because I remember watching this game and flipping to it. You know, girls are running around, I'm folding laundry, trying to put some laundry away, and I got one game upstairs going on, and they're watching uh, some cartoons, or maybe Andy Mack downstairs, for, for your dads out there. Andy Mack is a very appropriate 
uh, show for your, I don't know, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade girls to be watching if you have daughters out there. So I had the, you know, the Texas A&M LSU game, and I can still remember Tremont Waters hitting that deep three against Texas A&M to send it into overtime. What I mean, the guy is a shot maker. His his uh, his measurables do not define him whatsoever. So Waters, Custer, I think both of those guys are, are guys to pay attention to. And I, I hope that both of them get into March so we can have a story and be talking about both of those guards uh, in March. That would be kind of amazing. And speaking of spoiled, I think two guys that are going to spoil us this year are going to be Marcus Howard from Marquette and Lindell Wingington from, from Iowa State. I think both of those guys coming back after saying like, hey, we're going to test it out and see what the NBA scouts and what the draft uh, situation tells us. I love that both of these guys came back. I think it's not ridiculous if Howard leads the Big East in scoring and Wigington leads the Big 12 in scoring. I don't think that's outlandish at all. And I think it's a, a high possibility. If there's some sort of like you know, prop bet we could put on that. I'd put some money on that now that, you know, betting is legal in Jersey. That sounds good to me. Howard is a bomber from deep. Kid is a gifted shooter. He will find his place in the league as a shooter off the bench, I think, even with his limitations with his measurables. And Wigington is kind of the opposite, even though Wigington can shoot it. He he showed he can shoot it this past year. He's a little bit of a hidden athletic freak. He'll dunk on you. He can bring it into the hole. He can absorb contact. He's not afraid to bring it into the bigs and into the forest, whereas Howard can bomb it from deep uh, a little, not exactly Trey Young-like, but he can shoot it with that type of percentage and efficiency from out there. So I think that Howard from Marquette and Wington, the Cyclones, two guards that could lead their conferences in scoring, and hopefully the, those all of those points lead to wins for both of those programs, and both of those programs can revisit March And maybe, who knows, maybe that's an 8-9 matchup waiting to happen with Marquette and Iowa State. Wouldn't that be splendid, having those two guards match up against each other? You know we say? Guards win in March. Let's go with a little bit of a deep dive here. We're just not going to give you big schools here. We're not going to go like big conferences on you. You come to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast for the for the, for the for the unknown, for the the Rock Hotel or the Log Hotel. Remember when you were a little kid and used to you know get that outdoor time and you used to run to the fringe or maybe you had like a a trail that was near your house or something of that nature or even you know where I grew up in a little bit of an urban setting. There was a, a factory that was knocked down, and then it was just kind of overgrown. And my guys and I used to go ride our bikes around there. That was our one open space that we could get. We didn't have to deal with any car traffic. When you flip up that log, and we flip up that that rock, and we look underneath for bugs or salamanders or snakes, that's why you come to this podcast because you know that we are going to flip over that log, flip over that rock, and find Justin Wright Foreman from Hostra. That's right. We're going to talk a little CAA here. Yes. Listen, Wright Foreman is absolutely outstanding. He averaged 24 points a game over three boards, over three assists. And in conference, he pretty much averaged 25 points per game. The guy can fill it up. Hofstra has been off the radar since Coach Wright left there. And you want to see that if they can be a factor in the CAA again, and maybe Wright Foreman is the guy to lead them. He's that type of guy that could win three or four games in the conference tournament and be one of those surprise teams that you say in March, like, hmm, I didn't hear about Hofstra all year. Oh, wait, 
Who's this guy right forming that can fill it up? Is it averaging over 25 points a game? Ooh, I think I'll pay attention to him. Guess what? You heard about him here first. Uh, so right forming from Hostra. I think he's a lead guard that you definitely want to pay attention to if you're on the East Coast. And if you happen to have, a, I think NBC has a CIA package. Tune into a Hofstra game. He's fun to watch, man. He has a little jitterbug. He's a little Shimori Pons-like, but maybe even can shoot it better than Pons. How about that? And one of our favorites, and we know a little bit about Fletcher McGee, right, guys? We remember that game at UNC. We remember that game after we were head-scratching and saying, like, is UNC any good? Did that reveal any warts? And maybe that was the telling game that revealed some warts, and that's why UNC got run out of the gym by Texas A&M. Maybe that Wolfer game where McGee went off was the telltale that said, like, ah, maybe this UNC team isn't ready to do what they've done the last couple of years. Fletcher McGee is an absolute, absolute scoring machine. 22 points a game, three boards. Doesn't pass it that great. He only 1.7 assists, but he does shoot it 44% from three, 90% from the free throw line. His effective field goal percentage is 62.5. He was a Southern Player of the Year, of course. So, listen, if you see Woford on the calendar, you know that every scouting report is going to be poking to him. And much like Wright Foreman before him, you know he's going to get a ton of defensive and scouting attention. So, Fletcher McGee, glad he's back. Hope he repeats as Southern Player of the Year. He's a definite lead guard to pay attention to. Speaking of lead guards to pay attention to, they got their team to March. How about John Elmore of, Mar- of Marshall, huh? You know that Coach D'Antoni is going to let Elmore like run the show and put up some shots, and that's exactly what Elmore did last year to the tune of 22.8 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 6.8 assists. Like Those numbers are kind of insane. I think I remember reading somewhere there was only about six or seven uh, players last year that averaged the over 20, over 5, and over 6, and th- those numbers are just insane, and that just speaks to the type of offense that D'Antoni runs and allows his players to have some freedom. He's a senior. He's going to be coming back. You remember that win over Wichita State in the tournament. So you want to see what he does for an encore. Ken Marshall come out of Conference USA again with the target on their back now. They you know they don't have the big man inside to deflect and defer some shots. So you want to see what Elmore can do. Is he just going to be a scoring machine, or are those points going to equal to wins? Very similar to the question we had for uh, Howard and Tremont Waters. Uh, Howard from Marquette, Waters from LSU. How about R.J. Cole from Howard? He's going to be a sophomore. He averaged 23 points a game, almost 24 points a game, almost four boards a game, and over six assists a game. Now, take a look at his shooting numbers. He shot it below 40%, but you know what? He played over 40 minutes a ton of times as a freshman. They ran him from whistle to buzzer multiple times at Howard because he's that good, he's that talented. So you know what? I'm going to take the under 40% field goal percentage with the multiple games of 40 minutes or more. I'll take that trade-off anytime with RJ Cole. I don't think it's crazy if you have a conversation of like who might lead the nation in scoring. If you include like Dom... Uh, I think you have to include uh, Wright Foreman in that. Maybe you throw in Fletcher McGee and Elmore. I think Cole has to be in that conversation too. I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't want to throw him into the conversation. He is another one of those guys that's tough as nails, will take it into the lane, absorb some contact, will will you know be really crafty with the ball in the lane. I like 
Cole's game. I don't think it's nuts that he is in the conversation and in the top five of scoring in the entire nation this year in Howard. So R.J. Cole, Howard, another lead guard to pay attention to. Next guy, next guys, we'll give you like a little package deal. How about both Harold Frey and Tyler Hall from Montana State? You might say like, oh, I remember Tyler Hall. He got some like Steph Curry buzz from shooting really well two years ago, and last year he had a down year. He went to the NBA Combine, got some feedback, said they should go back and and work on a couple of things. One of those things was his measurables, like he should put on some weight. He got too heavy, had a little bit of a down year, got hurt. But Frey and Hall together make up one of the most underrated backcourts in the entire nation, and they're doing it up there in the you know in the Big Sky in Montana State. Uh, Frey uh, averages 13 points, three boards, three assists. Uh, can shoot it uh, just about 38% from three. And you know Hall from two years ago shot it over 40% from three and put over 20 points per game. So this backcourt is absolutely lethal, and you want to see if this backcourt can lead to March wins for Montana State. Love Hall. think he's a little bit under the radar. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up in the 22, 23 per game uh, category and find his name ab- among the scoring leaders in the nation this year, 2018 uh, season for college basketball. How about uh, Demarcus Simmons, Georgia State junior? Now, this is one of the things that Jason McIntyre on his top 50 list might have gotten right. There's a whole bunch of things that you scratched your head at when you read his top 50 list. And, you know, he releases his top 50 list and you're like, what is that guy doing there? And why isn't that guy up there? Simmons was inside the top 15. and, And I think, you know, rightly so. This might be one of the things that he got right. He averaged 21.2 points, 5.7 rebounds, 4.5 assists, almost 2 steals a game. Talk about Sun Belt, Fun Belt. This guy makes the Sun Belt fun. He went off for 24 against Cincy in the tournament last year. So I think he's a player that you want to pay attention to. And Georgia State has a history. You know Coach Hunter is going to have those guys playing hard. You know he's going to give them a ton of shots and a ton of responsibility. So I don't think that, I think that kind of makes sense. And again, when you watch the Sun Belt, you hope that a guard like Simmons gets into the tournament again. So it's a, a team that we can pay attention to and gave Cincy all they could hope for in that first round. Another one of my favorites is uh, is, we- is from Weaver State, Jarek Harding. I really like Harding. He was top 15 in the nation last year in scoring 22 points a game. Averaged almost eight boards at 6-1. Uh, very similar to Fletcher McGee. Didn't pass it a ton, but his shooting numbers were fantastic. 53% from the field. from three. And the Big Sky is going to have another great guard from Weber State joining Hall and Frey. And we'll talk about one other Big Sky guard a little bit later that we're hopeful that will make it to the tournament as well. But I love Harding. I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any mistake that you find another Weber State player, uh, on this list after the Weber, after the the success that they've had in the past. I think we, we gotta, we gotta mention Kellen Brady, right? From Davidson. 18 points a game. Uh, he had three three games of uh, over 30 points. He had 39 in that awesome game against St. Bonnie's where he's matched up against the NBA guards of, uh, you know, Adams and Mobley. And, you know, of course, he's gotten a ton of uh, Stephen Curry comparisons due to the Davidson link. And to be honest, he was just kind of scratching the surface last year, I think. I would not be surprised to see him play at a more efficient level. I know they lose the big guy down low. I know that they played really well uh, to get into the tournament. But I can see Grady having one of those years very similar to any Davidson guard that they've had in the past where he just put up over 20 points per game. I would not be surprised to see 
Grady among the 20-point-per-game club this year for Davidson, and Davidson being a force again in the A-10. A-10's got to be a little bit stronger. It might be a little bit muddled at the top, but I think Davidson is one of those teams that might be among the fray and Grady leading the charge. Next one of my guys is one of my favorite under-the-radar guys, and I think this is a guy that will absolutely blow up this year. If you have not seen Twitter... Please find Jay Murat from Murray State dunking over three of his teammates. This is NBA dunk contest type stuff. Uh, he also played really well at the uh, Chris Paul camp, and he's gotten unbelievably rave reviews for what he's done over the summer. So, if and if you want to know more about Jay Murat and Murray State, we're going to point you in the direction and send you back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Library. Shh. The librarian says, keep it down. And we're going to send you in the direction of Jackson Hoy, who writes for the Stepian. He wrote an unbelievable piece on Jay Morant. So if you're looking to find out more about him, please go search that up on Twitter or on the internet. Uh, Jackson did a great job with it, as all the Stepian guys do. But Hoy, uh, Jackson really uh, keyed in to what Morant is good at and broke it down in a really a really keen fashion and dove deep. We appreciate the deep dive, so please dig that up from Jackson Hoy on Jay Morant. And, you know, Murray State made the tournament last year. They had West Virginia in the way. That was a trendy upset pick. Murray State bowed out. So you want to see Murray State and Morant get another crack at it next year. So he does have some March experience. You want to see how he does with the target on his back. And, again, check out that dunk over three of his teammates. He's an insane athlete with great guard skills. I guess one other guy we just want to mention super fast, Brian Beard Jr. from uh, FIU and Conference USA. He averaged almost three steals a game. That's the reason I really like him. His backcourt mate, Trajan Jacob, shot at like 37% from three. So that, that backcourt in FIU is kind of one of more of the underrated backcourts, very similar to Montana State that we mentioned earlier. And Beard averaged about 16.5 points, almost six assists, and again, we said almost three steals. You love when those guys are, are defensive menaces and, and really drive you crazy in the backcourt, similar to one of the guards who got spoiled with last year with Javon Carter. So Beard and Jacob from FIU, I think, are worth paying attention to as well as far as under-the-radar, under-the-rock, under-the-log-type guards. Be in March. They're going to make an impact in some fashion. And I don't think there's, uh, I think I know their names, but I, they're worth a mention, of course. Carson Edwards, Purdue. Guy's going to be on everybody's first team, All-America team, and rightly so. Dude was a stud last year, led, ran to uh, Keenan Evans in Texas Tech, and, and was in the Purdue, uh, was in the uh, Villanova bracket. Tough, really tough bracket, but I think even with all they lost, I think Carson Edwards is going to, he's going to get the keys to the car. And you know what? That car is going to go the right direction if he's driving. So I like, I like Coach Painter and Edwards to make a big impact. Maybe his numbers are kind of similar, but you can see his responsibility and his ball handling duties raise up along with just an overall leadership responsibility for the Boilermakers. Nikola Alexander Walker from Virginia Tech played a little bit of the under the radar role and then later on in the season wasn't really trusted in late game situations. He's going to come back as a sophomore. Uh, he had some buzz around him last year as maybe one of those guys that could leave early. And if you're talking about that at Virginia Tech, I think that's a positive step and a positive the right direction that Virginia Tech and Buzz Williams wants to take in the ACC. 
Averaged just about 11 points a game. He only played 25 minutes a game. He shot at 39% from three. But like as we said later on in the season, he wasn't really trusted to be on the floor in late-game situations due to spotty offensive decisions and maybe poor off-the-ball defensive decisions. But I, I likened his height and his length a little bit to Shea Gilders Alexander. Maybe he's not as long and, and as gifted, but I think a similar skill set and a similar body type, just maybe not at the level of, of, of SGA. Jalen Hands, UCLA, got some uh, NBA feedback buzz from the combine, decided to come back, average about 10 points a game. So they have like one of the top five incoming uh, classes at UCLA. So you love that Hands and then also Wilkes will be there to kind of lead that charge. And this is kind of like a make or break year for UCLA. After the whole uh, scandal in China, you want to see if they can kind of get back where, you know, Alford had it before where they were regularly making sweet 16s instead of just kind of sneaking in the tournament like they did last year. I think Hans is a point guard to pay attention to, especially with the tradition of point guards that they've had the last couple of years with Holiday and Ball. I think Hans can fall into that category of really productive point guard that gets good NBA buzz. One of our favorites, Peyton Pritchard, will stick in the Pac-12 from Oregon, averaged 14.5 points, almost five boards, and shot at 41% from three. Love him. Think that he's going to steer that freshman group. Speaking of strong freshman groups, we're going to th- he's going to steal that freshman group. He tried to do it last year with a, you know, Troy Brown as a freshman and a couple of grad transfers. Didn't quite work. Wasn't the quite right the right recipe. But we think this year, Coach Altman will get it right. And Pritchard, much like Carson Edwards driving the car for Purdue, Pritchard will show those freshmen how to win and say like, hey, I've made a Final Four before. I know what it's like. I can steer you guys here. Follow me. We think that's going to happen. Maybe not Final Four, but I think back to the tournament and back to success. And one of my favorites, Kamar Baldwin from Butler. You want to say hey, they got Jorgensen and McDermott to help out, but I think Baldwin and lots of, I felt like last year whenever he was matched up against Jalen Brunson, he more than held his own. And listening to the work that he's done over the summer, commitment that he's had to being a professional, getting better, I think Baldwin is one of those players, along with like Shamari Pons, that you can mention as an all-Big East guy and maybe player of the year type hype for the Big East, right? Love Baldwin, love what he does, loves what he does on both ends. Would love to see him shoot it just a little bit better. I think if those shooting numbers get a slight uptick, I think we're talking about uh, an all definite all Big East player, maybe a third team All America, maybe honorable mention, something of that nature. The last group of players that we'll go to for you guys are hopefuls, March hopefuls. We're hoping to see these players in March, right? We want these guys to make it. We're kind of pulling for them. So excuse the screen, the screener college basketball podcast for being fans. But you know who we're fans of? We're fans of Shamori Ponds. We want St. John's to be relevant again. We want Coach Mullen to get it right. We want the Big Apple to have an important team again. And we want Shamori Pons to lead them there. Shamori Pons could have left for the NBA. He's a little bit of an undersized lead guard. Can do everything. He's typical bring it to the uh, bring it to the whole hard East Coast guard. Love the way he plays. If his shooting numbers can uptick a little bit, he is a dangerous, dangerous player. A legit threat to lead the conference in scoring. A legit threat to average 25 points per game. Shamori Pond, St. John's. Mike and I talked a little Washington on the p- previous podcast. Hey, look, if you're not going to include Crisp on this list from Washington, then you're not paying attention. Guy's been there. He's done it before. He's seen all the ins and outs. He's seen Markel Fultz come and go. He's seen Noah Dickerson come and stay. And he's seen 
what the program was able to accomplish last year and get it turned back in the right direction as far as overall wins and legitimacy. And when you have a veteran point guard like Crisp leading the way with talented wings around him, like Dickerson, like Thibel, that makes sense to me. So I think Chris from Washington is another guy that we're hopeful makes it back to March and can have an impact and leads his team to success. How about Jordan Goodwin, St. Louis? We mentioned that the A-10 might be a little bit messy up top. Guess who might be one of those teams that's surprised? It could be Coach Ford in St. Louis. Last year over the summer on one of our summer road trip pods, we gave you a little rundown of why St. Louis might be meaningful, and Goodwin was one of those reasons. Goodwin is an absolute terror on the defensive end and is an athlete overall at the lead guard position. And I think with the talent that St. Louis has coming in, with Goodwin coming back healthy, I think that makes sense. So we're rooting for Goodwin to do something, even if it's just in the conference tournament in Brooklyn in the A-10 for St. Louis. Hey, look, the last couple of guys, we would not be talking if we were not talking. We would not be talking lead guards if we weren't talking Chris Clemens, right? Chris Clemens from Campbell, averaged almost 25 points a game. The diminutive guard is one of the leading scorers returning in the country. He is an absolute shot maker. I can still remember watching a game with my daughter where we had Campbell on, and and and, and she's about falling asleep. It was one of those cool Friday night games where you don't really have the big conferences on. And I can remember my daughter looking up and seeing Clemens bomb one from three and being like, Daddy, that is a deep, deep three. And Clemens is one of those players that can make those deep threes where a a casual fan can look up and be like, whoa, who's that? So Campbell is that player that can catch your attention. You want to see how he does in the matchup against Winthrop. Uh, So Chris Clemens, one of the absolute top shelf guards, lead guards coming back. And how about we'll end with uh, these last three. How about Ahmad Rory from Montana? We talked a little Big Sky earlier. We talked to those guards out there are really good. And Rory is no mistake. Montana is going to be really talented. Rory averaged uh, the transfer from Oregon, averaged 17 points, uh, four-ish rebounds, and about four-ish assists. He is going to lead the charge there. And then the last two guys are, are guys that are close to our hearts, and, and Mike Randall is pulling for both of these guys. How about Kai Bowman from B.C.? We saw Robinson absolutely blow up at the Combine and get drafted by the Clippers. You know who his running mate was last year for BC? It was Kai Bowman. 6'1 guard, averaged uh, 17.5 points and almost 7 rebounds for a 6'1 guard. That's insane. So he may not like you know pass the ball around, but he's going to do everything for that team to win. And the Tony Bennett redemption tour begin, please. Because Ty Jerome is going to lead... The redemption tour for UVA as a lead guard. He has been doing great things at the Chris Paul camp. He has been absolutely being efficient, can shoot it from deep, a little bit longer than you think, maybe lacks a little bit athletically, but efforts big time and plays within the system and does not make mistakes. Ty Jerome is your final lead guard. Listeners, I think we've turned over every stone, every log, and every newspaper pile that we could find to give you these lead guards that are returned for the 2018 college basketball season. We hope you enjoyed the rundown. Hope you guys find a couple of these guys to pay attention to during the season when you're flipping around and looking for a game. You'll be like, oh, yeah, Montana State, let's flip to that. Georgia State, oh, let's watch those guys. Oh, what, Big Sky? Yeah, we got to pay attention to the Big Sky. we got some talented guards out there. Oh, wait, we're out on the West Coast. UCLA's playing Oregon. Oh, I know we got two good point guards there. Hopefully this helps. 
Uh, listeners, we just want to say thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving us part of your week. Thanks for giving us part of your weekend. Totally appreciate it. I'll catch up with you guys. How about if we do some wings? If you like what you're listening to, please don't forget to give the podcast a follow at SDS Podcast, Efficiency of Keystrokes, of course, on Twitter. Love to interact with you guys that way. Please give Mike a follow at Randall Rant. He is entertaining, insightful, and educational all in one felt swoop. Like to communicate with the podcast via Gmail. We are podcast at gmail.com. Please let us know if we missed any of our lead guards. And if you really like what you're listening to, please don't be afraid to leave a review on iTunes podcasts or whatever your podcast consumption vehicle is we'd love to get some positive reviews in the off season and go into the season fully charged ready to take on the big boys espn and cbs and the rest so thank you for that kindness that you're willing to spread cheers salanta gratulatia arigato Appetite. It's a scene of the